Hi, everyone. This is Marcus Hanscom, your co-host of the NAGAP Report. I'm pleased to bring you the first of a two-part podcast-exclusive conversation on altruistic marketing and graduate enrollment management. I'll introduce you to someone new to the podcast, and we'll share a bit of our thoughts on how to use altruistic marketing to build awareness for your graduate programs. We had so much to talk about that we decided to split the conversation into two separate episodes of the podcast. So stay tuned to part two, which focuses a bit on deploying your altruistic marketing and perhaps more broadly, your content marketing strategy using inbound marketing and other tactics. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. This is the NAGAP Report, the official podcast of NAGAP, the Association for Graduate Enrollment Management. We are now having a conversation today about altruistic marketing, and we'll get into that in a second. And when I say we, it's actually a pleasure of mine to welcome a co-host for us. So Lauren McGowan joins me today, and she'll be part of the NAGAP report going forward. So welcome, Lauren. Thanks, Marcus. I'm so excited to be here with you. Great. And Lauren, actually, we met, well, we've met years ago, I suppose. We've been talking for many years, but we had a recent reception for potential leaders and volunteers for NAGAP. And Lauren was on the conversation and just said she'd love to be interested in the podcast. So we were glad to have you kind of raise your hand for that. I've been kind of a one-person operation on this for a while. So happy to have you here. Why don't you tell everybody just a little bit about you and kind of what you do? I know you work with one of our other NAGAP colleagues as well. Yeah, definitely. So um, I work at the University at Buffalo for the School of Social Work, and I'm the director of recruitment and admissions there for the graduate social work programs. So I do a little bit of everything. Um, I do some recruitment, some marketing, some back-end website and slate application <laughs> processing stuff. And I got involved with NAGAP originally because my, my supervisor, Catherine Kendall, who many of you know and is a wonderful person to know, um, she is very involved in NAGAP and, and brought me in and kind of introduced me to the organization and to people there. And so since then, I've been uh, happy to have been able to go to several conferences and just get in touch and get to know, you know, colleagues across the country at other schools. And it's been a really, really great experience so far. So I'm really excited to now be able to get involved on this, this new level. I, I love listening to podcasts kind of in my own time. And so <laughs> I'm excited to, to be able to hopefully help you out with this one. Well, this is great because I'm used to like talking to myself here, trying to record roll-ins and all sorts of stuff. So it's great to have more of a conversation. And I think one thing that'll be great to have you involved with, Lauren, is to be able, we can have just have a conversation about topics yeah. that are happening in graduate enrollment. So that's exciting to kind of have some back and forth. And certainly we'll be welcoming guests and doing our usual thing. But this adds a whole other element to the NAGAP report. So we're excited to have you on board. And have you been in graduate enrollment management for a long time? Um, not too long. Uh, so I started after I got my my master's degree in, in higher education administration. Uh, I started in undergraduate admissions. So I worked in undergrad admissions as a, a counselor for about three years. And then my first job in graduate admissions was at the University at Buffalo School of Nursing. So I worked for the School of Nursing for their graduate nursing programs for a little over a year. And then I've been at the School of Social Work at UB for, I think, about 
five years now, or it will be coming up on almost six years in the fall. So, so about seven, a little over seven years total, I would say I've been doing graduate admissions, um, but I did start in undergrad first. So it's been an interesting experience actually switching from, from undergrad to grad. There's definitely uh, some major differences <laughs> about them, but, uh, but yeah, I, I'm lucky that I really, I really love my job and, and I love doing what I do. So I feel very lucky. Well, we followed similar paths because I started in undergrad admissions too and then moved over to grad and it was kind of by accident. And, you know, I had a VP that said, do you want to help our graduate admissions office? And my first question was, we have a graduate school? <laughs> so it was kind of that, <laughs> that undergrad silo that everybody seems to live in. And now being on the other side, um, you know, we're always kind of hanging on the shirt sleeves, like, remember us, you know, we're, we're grads yep. here too. Uh, so yep. it's interesting. I, I think we're going to have to have a conversation at some point, uh, you and I and a bunch of others, because there's so many that came from the undergrad side. I'd love to kind of maybe commiserate and share about our experiences on the undergrad and grad side. So um, yeah. Yeah, well, Lauren, this is going to be great to have you a part of this conversation and um, looking forward to all the kind of podcasts that we'll be putting together going forward. And I'm sure I'll be kicking a few to, for you to do on your own and uh, we'll be able to get a lot more content out to our members. So it's exciting. And kind of to that end, I think that really fits in with our topic. And this was something that I appreciate you actually brought to me because this is something that I've been talking about on my own campus for a long time and we've been doing. But to actually have a conversation more broadly with our audience, I think, makes a lot of sense. So this whole idea of kind of altruistic marketing, and we'll get into kind of more specifics on content marketing and inbound and things later. So let's talk first kind of about what altruistic marketing really is. What are we talking about? Yeah. So when I think of this concept of altruistic marketing, it's really about providing information and resources for students that that are really beneficial to them in a way that may or may not really directly benefit your school specifically, or it may not be about your school specifically. So it's really about being helpful um, to people and answering questions that students may be searching for. So the the best example and the one that I am really kind of speaking about all the time at my own institution is is really trying to help students understand the different professions that are out there. I think it's really hard for students to know sometimes what what the options are or what they want to do, you know, when they grow up or for the rest of their lives, it seems like a big decision. And so the more that schools can provide helpful information just about professions in general and about, you know, grad school in general, that's really helpful information for people to have. And, you know, the hope is that by being sort of that helpful resource, you know, when students get to the point where they are looking for a graduate program, then the hope is that they'll remember you as being that really um, helpful kind of educational, providing those those resources that have really helped them along their journey. And so the hope is that they'll go to you then when they do start, you know, looking for a graduate program or deciding they're ready to take that next step. So, so yeah, it's really about, um, you know, kind of providing information that goes beyond just promoting your own program. It's really more, um, you know, it goes kind of at a higher level than that, really just um, answering questions that, that people might have that are more general. Well, and I think it, this actually ties really well to our conversation briefly earlier about 
undergrad versus grad mm -hmm. because you know we we've both been on that side so we can understand that kind of like competitive nature like we're all at college fairs at high schools and like don't go to that school come here we have better parties <laughs> and better pizza and all this yeah. you know better experience and we're on the water and all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. and so you're really competing on this whole much larger experience right and then to some degree it's relationship building of course and kind of the affinity that they build with certain people on campus and you know for our smaller brands that aren't as well known um that's necessary to really make that kind of connection so as you're talking about this altruistic marketing kind of thing especially with grad students are really picking a program that's going to set them on their kind of life trajectory right whether it's going to be going on to a doctoral program or selecting a job so being able to have that foundation but we're talking about fit that's a lot different than an undergrad where you've got a much bigger experience so we're having those conversations that are more helpful broadly. And, you know, if I had an MSW program, I could be saying, well, UB's got an MSW program too, and so does Suffolk and Boston. And these are the differences between those programs. And so we're instead trying to help the student in a more holistic way as opposed to come to my program because we're the best. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, I think that's a good point about programs kind of coming together or schools kind of joining together to promote their programs and just their professions <laughs> um, more generally. I think that's a really great idea. I mean, I know that it kind of surprises me sometimes, you know, I, I do talk to a lot of graduate students that have done a lot of research on their own and, and know that they want to go into, you know, the certain program they're applying for. But I talk to a lot of other students who are really trying to still figure out, you know, which degree is going to be able to get them to their career goals. And I think a lot of times they're trying to, to figure out differences between similar degrees, because there are sometimes it's confusing, you know, where students are, are like, okay, here's what I want to do as my career goal. But you know, there's all these different pathways to get there. So what are the similarities and differences between what these different programs offer, that are going to end up really getting you to a similar goal at the end. So how, how do you decide, you know, to choose one, one type of degree, you know, versus another. And I think that's hard for students sometimes to, to figure out on their own. And so if we can help and be sort of those content area experts and, and really, you know, help guide them and illuminate some of the similarities and differences, then to your point, I think that that will help them determine for themselves which, you know, which path might be best for them. And it may not be with your program, you know, it might be with a different type of program and that's okay because it's really about what, what the best fit is for that student and everyone's going to be different. Yeah, that's one of the things I love about working with grad students is that I I can sit with them and as many students as I convince to come to our programs, and convince is probably a strong word because I'm not trying to manipulate them, uh, <laughs> but you know, when you're trying to recruit a student to your own program, as many as I convince to come to us, uh, the other half go to other programs and I'm telling them to consider XYZ school. And, and that's really, I always tell the student, my end goal is for them to call me in two years or three years or five years and say, your advice got me to my dream thing. This is the thing that I wanted to do, even if that meant... Mm -hmm at another school. And I think one of the challenges that we run into, and there's a lot of lens around access and inclusion and equity issues too, when you think about connecting students with credible information about programs and credible information about disciplines and industries and the things that they need to do, there are a lot of times, you know, I'll give an example. I'll talk to students in psychology. Many students don't know about the fact that there's another option than a, just a PhD. Students think that like they have to get a PhD. Now, some students get really good advice from their undergrad folks, whether it be career services or faculty. Mm -hmm. Others, they either don't know to ask for the information or they don't know who to ask, 
or they're not given a lot of direct guidance. So then when we talk to them about, oh, there's an applied doctor called a PsyD versus a PhD, they're like, oh, I had no idea that that even existed. So mm -hmm. it's a real challenge for us to try to give credible information that, and it's challenging inherently because we're the salespeople, right? So, I mean, the schools, yeah. the students are going to look at us and like, well, your goal is to get students in your program at Roger Williams. Well, yeah, of course, that's my goal. But my ultimate mm -hmm. goal is to help students. But it's hard for people to get beyond your job title and say, all right, this person genuinely has my best interests at heart. So separating that mm -hmm. is a little challenging. So as far as the credible information, and I want you to talk a little bit about some of the examples that you told me that you've had some great success there at UB in School of Social Work is how we get that credible information to people. And you've done that on your website um, with a few different items. So can you tell everybody a little bit about kind of those guides and the videos that you've put together? Sure, yeah. So as I kind of hinted at before, one of my biggest, you know, crusades at this, at, you know, UB has really been to provide people with more information about social work as a profession, because there are a lot of misconceptions out there about what social work is and what social workers do, you know, day in and day out for their jobs. And there's a lot of people to your point, you know, speaking about job titles, you know, a lot of social workers have job titles that you wouldn't know that that's their background or that they have their master's degree in social work based on what their job title is because the field is so broad. There's so many different things that social workers do. And for somebody like me, who I'm, I'm not a social worker by training, I don't have an MSW degree, but this is the program, you know, that I am, you know, it's my job to, to promote. Right. And I've learned so much and I've had to do my own research to the point where, you know, I'm learning all of these new and different things about the profession that I didn't know beforehand. So I know that students are in the same situation where they're probably trying to do the same research that I had to do, you know, to, to be in my job. Mm -hmm. And so if I can kind of impart some of that knowledge, you know, and, and make it a little bit easier. And um, I see myself sometimes as sort of a translator, you know, between the faculty who kind of live and breathe and are in the profession, they're doing the actual work. And then I'm kind of the person who how do I translate that, you know, and everything that they're doing and everything that's happening to people that really are coming in with no previous knowledge of the profession? How do you kind of explain it in an easy, you know, easily accessible way? So a couple of things that we've, that I've done, you know, and that we've kind of worked on in the School of Social Work is um, we put together, um, we call it our beginner's guide to social work. Essentially, it's an ebook that we created, and it's really not focused on the University at Buffalo or our program specifically. It's really just a, a kind of a basic guide for people who are exploring the social work profession to kind of give them some basic information about what social workers do, you know, what kind of values social workers hold. Social work is unique in that they have a really clear set of values. Um, so we, we always kind of talk about that in our discussion, you know, to make sure that our students' values match the profession. So I think that's really important. Um, and we give them lots of examples of different kinds of social work professions. And we kind of explain all of the different levels that social workers work at. You know, a lot of people know about the, the social workers who are working one-on-one -on -one with individuals or, or, you know, kind of case managers, counselors, but they might not know about the social workers that are doing things with policy development and evaluation and research and all of those higher level, we call macro level, you know, social work positions. People don't, don't know about that really. And, and once they hear about it, they're like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that that was something that you could do, you know, with, with this degree. And so, so that's really the, the point of that, that piece. And we're using that, that publication right now in a marketing campaign 
Um, and we've seen pretty good success with it. And it's, it's literally just, that is the campaign is just download our beginner's guide to social work. And so um, the hope is that, you know, once we, we get their information, hopefully they'll be interested in our program if they do decide that it's right for them. But, you know, there are going to be some students where you're going to give them that information and then they decide, hey, you know what, this isn't the right path for me. And that's okay, too. At least we've helped them, you know, take that next step and kind of figure that out for themselves, you know, so they're not wasting their own time in the future. So, so that's one thing we've done that's that's been pretty successful. And then the other thing that I'm probably more more proud of or most proud of is um, we've been trying to do more video type content, uh, as I'm sure you probably know, and, and many people know, you know, videos kind of up and coming and, and pretty big. And if you're not doing it, you should be. So, um, so I have a, a video that is just called what is social work is the title of the video. Um, and I think I put that out again, it, it's probably about 12 minutes long. And it's, it's um, some of the same content that's in the beginner's guide to social work ebook, but not totally, you know, the same, there's some unique content in there as well. And um, it's not, and I'll say this first is that this is a video that I did. I literally recorded myself in Zoom, like doing a, a PowerPoint presentation. So this is not some like high quality, like really produced, you know, visually exciting video it's not it's very you know kind of boring it looks you know it's literally me talking over a powerpoint so it's nothing fancy but um but i think since we put it out i put it out in december of 2019 and it's got over 40,000 views so far um wow. and we've got some probably the most amount of comments that we've had and likes on any you know youtube video we put out there and um and i've had a lot of really good feedback on it i had a professor contact me a social work professor professor at another school saying she was using it in her like intro to social work course like requiring her students to mm. watch it so that's probably the biggest compliment i could have gotten i was i was really excited when i heard from that person but um but i think the reason it's so popular is because people are that's what people are looking for right people are searching what is social work or what do social workers do and so if you can be the first school to get out there and to help provide that information to people they're going to have a pretty positive view of you. You know, they're going to, you're, you're going to give them a positive impression of your school or of your brand if you're answering the questions that they're asking. And so, so that's a, another thing that I hope to continue to do more of that, you know, to do more videos and more, uh, put out more content that's really about the profession, especially because it is so, so broad and there really are so many different types of, of social workers out there. And I know that's the same for a lot of other, you know, professions and degrees. Um, there's just so many different, different directions you can, can take your career, you know, after you graduate. Well, and it's, you know, you underscored something that's really important for professionals that I've seen that have been the most successful as far as getting results, but also perhaps from a personal standpoint are more connected to the work are the ones that take that deeper dive and become the subject matter experts in the programs that they represent. Now, granted, you work in a school of social work. Your sphere is fairly small. Some uh, professionals are, are working as generalists for 100 programs or 50 programs, mm -hmm. so that's really hard to do. And yeah. you know, one thing that we've tried to do, like at Roger Williams, we have 11 master's programs that we're recruiting for. You know, There are two or three of them that are really like nationally competitive premier programs. So we've really taken a deep dive in becoming the subject matter experts for those. And mm -hmm. so one of the ones that we present on regularly is forensic psychology. Um, there's not a lot of schools in the country that do it. There's a lot of misconceptions because of Hollywood and TV and all that on what exactly it is. <laughs> yeah. And so we've spent a lot of time really 
just addressing the, similar to what you're talking about. What is the field? What kinds of job opportunities do you have? What education do you need? What skills are important for you? Where you're going to find jobs? Those types of things. And then we also talk about the grad school process and things in general. But mm-hmm. I talk just as much about other schools and perhaps more about other schools than my own. And I think, you know, and you're getting this too, is we're building credibility for our schools and for ourselves in people responding and saying, okay, Lauren really cares about me understanding what social work is and getting me to the right job or getting me to the right program. Mark is talking about forensic psychology and cares about making sure I'm going to be a good mental health counselor in forensic, but there are six options and he's told me about all six of them. You know, those types of things, I think, to your point, the credibility that that brings along, students start thinking subconsciously about UB or about Roger Williams or whoever's providing this content because we're taking that extra step and educating people, giving them the knowledge, making them understand. And I always find it funny because I'll be standing in front of a group of 60 students at a school that we had never visited before. And in many cases, they've never even heard of us before. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying to them, by the way, I'm an MBA. I don't, I'm not a forensic psychologist, (laughs) but because Mm -hmm. I've taken that deep dive on that and gotten that information, that's been helpful. And we're at a point now, and it sounds like you're getting it too in different ways, where schools are reaching out to us and saying, will you come back? Or I heard you did this presentation somewhere. Can you do this for us? Especially now that we have virtual too, and everybody's so you know Zoom savvy, we can do a lot of this virtually. So that helps open yeah. up a lot more doors, right? So yeah, totally agree. Yeah. And you know, it's really ultimately about creating connection. I mean, students... As much as stealth behavior is through the roof, and and I want to talk a little bit about the SEO side of, of the work that you're talking about, mm-hmm. but with all that stealth behavior and people are doing research online and they're not necessarily connecting with us right up front, although that behavior has been a little different during COVID because I think people are craving that. So I've had more people willing to Zoom call and all of that than we would have had previously. Yeah. But that connection is still so important. So if the way we're doing that is introducing them to content... And then making us available as subject matter experts, either us or our faculty or a combination thereof, or alumni for mm-hmm. that matter. You know, we're building that connection by introducing them to the topic, introducing mm-hmm. to this broad content. And we're not being the salespeople that people might assume that admissions people are doing, right? So mm-hmm. that yeah. really opens up a lot of opportunity for us to deepen what we're able to do because we're caring about them. And, you know, yes. I, I never want to be the reason that people are saying that they select our school. But oftentimes students will say they selected our program because of the relationships that we in my office or our faculty built with them and the demonstration that we gave to them that their happiness and their future success is important to us and that we're not just about putting students in the classroom and meeting numbers, mm-hmm. and even though that's the reality of our work. That all comes, you know, it's like, you know, I always think back of, you know, if you build it, they will come. It's not, it's not about just pushing the first 20 students you find into seats. It's, you know, if I can talk to 80 and 20 of them choose us because we are providing this kind of level of service to them, great. And if that's a good fit for them. And then they tell their friends like, hey, I didn't choose there, but Roger Williams is a great program. And they really took an active interest in my, in my fit and making sure that I have the right program. So that really mm-hmm. kind of helps. Yeah. And to your point, too, I would say that, you know, you mentioned that sometimes it's easier, you know, to sort of get your foot in the door. And that's I've certainly found I would say that when I reach out to like career offices and, and, and schools to try to get into classrooms and do presentations, I have found a lot, a lot more 
um, you know, kind of open-mindedness and, and willingness for, for me to kind of go in and do that. If I, if I say, Hey, I'm going to do a pre presentation about social work, not about UB, you know, I mean, I do mention our program a little bit at the end, but you know, that's not the main point of the presentation. And I think that, and those are the schools that they do, they invite me back. Cause they're like, this was great. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and yeah. I, some, I sometimes have some of the, the best attendance at those, you know, types of sessions, because it's literally just, you know, kind of giving more that more information about the, the, the profession itself and, and kind of to your point, being a kind of a content matter expert. And so, so you're kind of approaching it from that angle and people seem to be a little more open sometimes, you know, to, to do presentations like that. I know some, a lot of my colleagues have done more general presentations just about like applying to grad school, right? Not, not about their program, but how do you ask for a letter of recommendation? How do you, you know, what are the key things you want to make sure you touch upon in your personal statement? You know, so those kinds of more general sessions, I think, are a great way to, to get your foot in the door and get in front of students, you know, and, and get your name out there. And if a couple of them, you know, kind of see you in a positive light and, and take the next step with you, then that's, that's awesome. Yeah. And I couldn't agree more. I mean, if you're going in there and you're not giving a sales pitch, that's, that's the number one kind of olive branch to these schools. If you go in there and just say, look, I just want to educate your students on what's out there. And if you want, you know, for a couple minutes at the end, I'll tell you about our programs, which is we do the same kind of tactic. You know, mm -hmm. we talk for 45 minutes on the field and discipline and grad school process and all that stuff. And it's literally two minutes at the end about Roger Williams. And, you know, I talk to a few students every every time. There's usually a handful that reach out to us and want our program information. Sometimes it's immediate. Others that, you know, I had students this year that I presented to their campus three years ago. And they reached out and they said, hey, you gave that session that was really helpful three years ago, and now I'm ready to apply. Because some of those sessions yeah. were getting freshmen and sophomores, which I think is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons. And I do say, you know, for anybody listening to this, if you're thinking about deploying this kind of a strategy, it's not an immediate result kind of thing. Yep. It's Oh, yeah. It's building. a long game. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. I mean, it's, you know, this year we had record um, applications to some of our psychology programs. And we've been doing this altruistic thing for three years now, and we've been pounding the pavement as far as Colorado. So pretty much Colorado and East, we've hit most of those states and different schools. And, you oh. know, we did, we were on planes, <laughs> planes, trains, and automobiles for many years, and yeah. we're really seeing the results of that. And when you're early in this, you really have to kind of convince, especially if you're not in a role that you're the decision maker, can, mm -hmm. convince the powers to be that this is a really valuable and important effort. And that it's going to have those long-term returns, but it's not going to be like I go out this fall and we have 20 new applicants in January. Yep. And I think that's one of the, to your point, that's one of the challenges I think of this is really, because it's something that you have to sort of commit to, you know, on a longer term to, in order to see those results. So you really have to have, I think, a little bit more faith and trust <laughs> that by putting the effort in early, it'll pay off, you know, in the long run. But yeah, it's hard because I know a lot of higher ups and kind of those those people in power and decision makers, they want to see that their budget and what they're spending their money on is immediately, you know, going towards applications and, and people in butts and seats. But, you know, realistically, it, it is something that works, but it is more of a, a longer term process, you know. So I think yeah. that's that's a challenge is, is really getting people to understand and trust in that. Well, I'll be interested, too, because I've had some conversations with my boss. Now, I, I report to a VP of enrollment, and she was saying, well, given that you've been able to give a lot of these sessions that I traditionally was flying all over the place for, I'm doing them on Zoom now. You know, can we can we just do that and skip paying for all that stuff in person? Now, I, 
I don't know that I have a clear answer for that at the moment, but yeah. I don't think we can abandon the ground game right off the bat. I mean, I think the the access that this has created with Zoom and being able to reach all sorts of different places, and sometimes for the students, especially now during the pandemic, they weren't coming to physical things anyhow. So it's given them a lot of flexibility, plus we can record them, and then oftentimes the faculty like to save them on their own sites, so that's been really great. Mm-hmm. Um, in the past, I've had others where they actually videoed the live thing, and that's worked out really well too. But again, getting back to that relationship building, nothing beats being able to be in the classroom with students answering their questions building that kind of rapport you know we know the brady bunch screen only works so well right so we can present but if you're talking about relationship building especially with those faculty a lot of times i could have sidebars with the faculty for the 10 minutes before the session starts and just building that rapport with a faculty member or a career services person that's helped us kind of cultivate the long game a little bit too and you know kind of repeating that has been important and i would say I don't know if, if you can even think of this from a, you know, half of your budget kind of focus on immediate return stuff, you know, buying leads that are interested in next fall and we're going to yield them and we're going to focus on them now, but then also spending a portion of your budget. And I'd advocate, you know, 30, 40, 50% of your budget to think about that kind of longer term awareness building, especially for small brands. You know, UB's mm-hmm. out there a lot more than Roger Williams is. You're a much more recognizable brand. But that said, you have some very competitive schools in that space that you're also the big names that you're trying to get out mm-hmm. in front of. So it's yeah. challenging. And that feels like a good place to stop. Tune into the next episode to hear the other half of our conversation. Many thanks to my new co-host, Lauren McGowan. See you soon.